This week on An Hour with Flower, I'm joined by three Ilka 7 sailors to recap the Ilka 7 Nationals that took place in Weymouth just over a week ago now. And these three are Mickey Beckett, who won the event, Guy Noble and Sam Petty. So we're going to start off with Sam Petty. So Sam, it was your first event for many a year. What drew you to the event? Hello there, yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Um, well, amazingly, I was um, out in uh, Tokyo filming the Olympics. Um, for my job, I uh, film a lot of sailing. Um, and over the, uh, the last sort of 10 years, I, um, I've spent so much time filming it that uh, I haven't really had much time to actually sail myself. Um, and I was really uh, motivated um, watching the Olympics and being involved filming um, that I thought I'd um, sort of get back involved. Um, it was about uh, 10, 15 years ago when I, when I last did a Nationals uh, sort of dragging around the back um, at sort of 15, 16 years old. Uh, and now at 32, I, I really wanted to get back involved and, uh, and start my campaign. So what sort of drew you to the Ilka 7 fleet in general? And sort of what was your expectations going in versus the reality of the actual event? Uh, well, I mean, I, I sailed the, uh, the Ilka 7 because of the numbers of boats. Um, you know, obviously, if you like one design dinghy racing, it's the, uh, the boat to sail. Um, the the size of fleet uh, and my my sort of expectations in regards to my performance my expectations weren't high um, but the event itself sort of uh, w- was more than I expected really uh, from numbers of boats to um, activities and and just the sort of friendliness of the class really being I think of myself really as a newbie having sort of just a uh, done club sailing and and it was a very uh, inviting event and uh, not actually uh, as scary as it as people might think a nationals might be in fact it wasn't scary at all and it was great fun no for sure and it it's not just all about the, the sailing and the racing at the Ilka events now it's also about the social events and one man who's been instrumental to that is Tony Woods now you're a good friend of Tony guy You've been yeah. sort of there along the way, you know, turning up to the Nationals over the past few years. What's sort of been the biggest evolution, do you think, to the class? Well, I've only done, I've done three Nationals now, uh, including this one. And um, I think, I think really just to bear out what uh, Sam was saying, um, you know, I think from outside, the perception is that it's, you know, it's an elite uh, gathering and uh, you know that's pretty much a, a fairly two-dimensional event but actually the first time I did it uh, which was Plymouth I just couldn't believe how friendly everybody was I mean I knew a few people there I'd never done anything like that in my life before uh, of course was uh, you know racing was pretty <laughs> pretty appalling but um, but everybody was so friendly and the and the, the kind of the efforts that everybody made to make uh, you welcome and then to lay on lots of other things where you could and I think Tony's ethos is that um, it should be a learning experience as well as a, a you know a racing uh, event 
um, that kind of ticks, ticked all the boxes for me. So I just thought, right, we'll, we'll do the next one and the next one. I think if it's geographically too, too far away for me or, you know, family commitments, you know, me and I can't do it, then obviously there's nothing you can do about that. But uh, generally, I'll try to do every one, you know, if I can. And that, and you do learn, a, a, you know, a huge amount. I've said this before, and I think a lot of people say this, you know, it's pretty much the only sport where you can line up on, on a, in the same bit of kit on a start line you know, with Olympic athletes, people like Mickey and uh, Enzo and or, or you lot. Um, and, you know, okay, you can have a bit of a laugh sometimes, which I did on one of the races on the last day, and kind of try to screw up Sam and, uh, <laughs> Sam and Mickey's start. Um, you know, and luckily for them, it was a recall. And, <laughs> well, luckily for me, I think I would have got a match. <laughs> um, but it was quite, but everybody, you know, okay, it was a recall so that everybody was laughing at the end of it. But, uh, but that really epitomizes the, the spirit in which it's done. And, and Mickey did a great speech at the prize giving, just, or was it, yeah, prize giving was at some point during the week, just saying, you know, it, it's an event that reminds you why we all do it. And the social stuff really is a great corollary to the, to the, the good spirit in the racing. And, and I think that, that, for me, that just does it, makes it an absolute winning formula. No, it isn't. Talking about one of the elite sailors in the fleet, got off to the perfect start with two bullets on day one. And you also sort of did a speech, Mickey, a, a race clinic in the morning of day one, but it didn't go as, as planned as the racing went, in a way. Nope. Uh, Do you want to elaborate on that small incident in your race clinic? Uh, uh, Tony contacted me. A couple of days before the event, and he said, "Oh, can you can you just talk about something in the morning before a racing starts?" I said, "Yeah, sure. What do you want me to talk about?" And, oh, anything. It'll be great. Just don't prepare anything. It'll be great. And I thought that's that's a strange cost me, but anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. I uh, so I did it. I did. It. I rigged up my boat and did a talk at half ten on the first morning with with the aim of kind of just going through some rigging and answering some questions. Um, there are actually quite quite a lot of people turn up. It's quite nice, um, and, and someone made the unfortunately asked me exactly how much downhaul one should pull on in like twenty five knots or whatever. So I thought the best way to do this would be to demonstrate it physically and pull my downhaul to that onto that extent. And it was fine, and everyone went, "Oh, that's a really tight sail." And about four seconds later, uh, my downhaul exploded. Um, it was a very loud bang, um, which couldn't really have been any worse. Um, but uh, no, I managed to fix it. It was all right. I had a little like sharp bit of metal on the bottom of my mast, which basically cut through my rope. It's actually quite handy to know that before I went sailing because it was a brand new boat that I hadn't used before. Um, so uh, yeah, and then in the racing day one, what was day one? Day one was the lightning day out in the bay. That was a really long day, but it was nice. It was nice and sunny. And racing just under the hills by Ringstead. No, it was a a fantastic day sailing right at the bottom of the bay as such. And we're fortunate to have enough sort of race crew to run two different fleets. So the Ilka 6s were on one fleet and the Ilka 4 and 7s were on the other. Like I said, you got off to the perfect start, Mickey. It was a bit of a delayed start because we had a little bit of a uh, um, parade going on, which we'll get onto in a second. But yeah. what was sort of, in those light wind conditions, what were you trying to focus on? It's the start of an event. You know, you don't want to mess it up on the first day. What were your priorities going yes. into that? 
it's a good point about not messing up. You kind of, I know it's very cliche, but it, it's cliche for a reason that you can. What is it? I've forgotten it. Uh, you can't win a regatta on day one, but you can certainly lose it. Um, and, and you know, so it's day one. You kind of don't want to get any letters or any big numbers. So I was just trying to start a little bit safely, possibly more so than normal, just to ease into it. I hadn't done any racing since April, like proper event racing. So it's been a while. So I was just kind of easing myself into starts, and then I was trying to find the pressure. It was just quite. You know, it's quite hard to spot on the water. I was saying that to other people who are racing, like, you know, there is, there's patches of more wind and there's patches of less wind, but they're very hard to distinguish from one another until you actually got into them. Um, so I was sort of feeling my way around, kind of like I had a blindfold on. Um, but I just about managed to win both races by a, a small amount. And then the race committee showed a really unusual level of common sense and finished us at the Wimbledon mark, which was really nice. So we didn't have to go all the way back down and have an enormous sail back in. So that was lovely. You know, that was, you know, much appreciated, I think, for a lot of the sailors. Now, Sam, on the way out... Ben, Ben, can I just interrupt, just yes. before we move on? Because Mickey, the, on the last day, um, Mickey was standing up in his boat next to Sam. Uh, they were both standing up on the start line. And you and Mickey, you were explaining something to Sam. And I, and, and I tried to get over to you to overhear, to earwig. <laughs> you know, what, were you, what you were... Because I think that... you. What were you talking about? Presumably you were talking about something to do with that. Oh, yeah. Sam, can you remember what I was talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I should be able to remember. I'm not going to shock you, I, I was probably asking him all of his secrets. Um, and me being at the back of the fleet, he was probably prepared to uh, to hand some of them over. Um, we might have been standing up, um, sort of looking for wind across the, across the course. And the... I had a, a bit of a go-to question for, for Mickey as to uh, if uh, if I was to um, bang a corner, which corner would it be? Um, and so uh, not that that's necessarily the right tactic, but uh, from time to yeah, time... I'm Mickey, really bad at giving yeah. short answers. So I think I talked to you for five, five minutes and came up with definitely not left and definitely not right, <laughs> somewhere up the middle. <laughs> yeah, we ended up stand, standing up in our boats trying to go through exactly where you'd go if you were to start at that exact moment. Okay. And, and, Sorry, and talking about that, Sam, so, you know, like you said, you weren't at the, the very tip end of the front of the fleet, so you were able to sort of pick up on little secrets from Mickey. And how did you feel sort of being welcomed into the class? So that first day back on the start line, must have been a bit nervous, but at the same time, was it friendly? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it is obviously slightly a uh, first day at school, um, but you know, very quickly you realise that it, it is, although an incredibly, um, a hugely competitive fleet, um, also very friendly. Um, and you know, for me, sort of towards the back, to, back to be able to talk with Mickey or Sam or yourself, or you know, all you guys at the front, and to actually sort of get some. Uh, great advice from you is is pretty cool really um and and shows how friendly the class is and, and the event yeah i think especially when it starts from the top down and having sort of friendly characters at the top it then filters down and it keeps people in the class sort of moving on to later in the week so the first day was quite light and the remaining four days were you know hiking for the rest of it and i think all three of us or all four of us so are feeling you know the our legs, you know, on, and probably Mickey, you've probably recovered from now. 
But Guy, as a master sailor... Sorry, Mickey. No, I just said I'm getting there. Oh, you're getting there. So, yeah, so, Guy, you're a master sailor, and there's a lot of other master sailors there, and, you know, who stay for the social events. What sort of the, the process you're going through, are you there to sort of enjoy the event more, or are you there to sort of try and beat the other master sailors, or just use it as experience? Yeah. I, I think I think the, the great advantage of having a decent-sized fleet is that, you know, no matter what level you're at, you know, you've got people around you that you're competing with every day. You know, you tend to kind of gravitate towards that, that grouping because that's it's essentially your level and uh, at that time. So, um, you know, you, you've probably got uh, half a dozen or maybe a dozen boats, you know, that you within reach, you know, realistically within reach. And, and I think, you know, you can kind of gauge your... Um, you know the successes and failures of each race on that basis so yeah you might grab one good result or perhaps two quite good results or maybe have a bad day but overall you know you can see well that's that's the kind of level and there were there were two or three people I would have liked to have, you know should have really beaten but I, you know that's the best I've ever performed at a, a nationals um, thank God for those people that only did one or two days because <laughs> they, they enhanced my, my position a little bit but I, I, I think that's that's the, the for, for me I'm 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 really for for an artist I'm really really competitive and it's uh, it's one of the refreshing things about racing on you know one in a one design boat uh, in a sport like sailing is where you know the person over the line the first is the you know essentially the best on the day um, in art you know it's so subjective that uh, it really gets a little bit confusing and after a lifetime of doing that I just think oh this is just so so simple you know yeah, I'm not very good today or I'm, I did quite well and, um, and so I'm very competitive and I want I want to be the other masters at least and if I can take one or two uh, positions off some of the younger guys then all the better but in terms of recovery I just I actually don't I didn't feel too bad to be perfectly honest um Maybe I wasn't hiking hard enough, but um, but but really, it's the it's the I think for perhaps the masters, it's the length of the day um, because of the sail out and that. And I'm not I'm not complaining at all because we all wanted to sail in the bay, um, but it does you know it does wear you down a bit. And if you don't take some snack or something like that on you know on the water, you, you, there's no way of kind of recharging the batteries. But you know, keeping hydrated and all that stuff that they say is is absolutely right. But I, I enjoyed every moment of it and, uh, you know, came away feeling reasonably satisfied, just a little bit disappointed, which spurs you on to the next event. No, so, yeah, it was good. Yeah. And you mentioned about the recovery there. And so let's talk to Mickey, because Mickey, you know, besides one second place, had a perfect scoreline. And I think if anybody's discarding a second in a one discard event, they'll be very happy. So, Mickey... In those windy conditions, when you're, you know it's going to be windy for four days on the trot. What are you, what are the processes you're going through to make sure that you recover for the next day's racing? Um, I definitely agree. Snacks on the water, absolutely essential. I have, I stuff my points here pocket to breaking point most days with just snacks. I eat quite a lot of them on the sail in, mainly out of boredom. But it is a good. Thing and I always have a protein shake when I get a short. Which I know sounds really kind of droll, but it's uh, it can sometimes be quite a while before you get your food. I mean, less long now that there's a little over the road. There's a fantastic addition to Portland. 
um, that I just always kind of have one when I get a shot. And then if I mean, it, like if I know it's going to be windy every single day, I usually go home and do absolutely nothing. Um, that's the general go-to. It's just like go home, lie on the sofa. Like I can remember, I've been back to training camps we've done or like other international events. Do you remember particular camping can in December? You think can would be nice, but because it was December, it was basically just like Weymouth. It was five degrees, and it was—I'm not joking—thirty knots every day. And because it, it was in December, it was like our first squad camp back in the winter. Like we'd had a month off, and we we're just getting back into it. And the daily routine was get out of bed at about eight, have breakfast, go back to bed for an hour, go down to the club, <laughs> go sailing for two, three hours. We absolutely exhausted. Go home, eat food in bed, and we'd all be sharing the same room. There'd just be four of us lying in bed, just chatting, eating food, just in, in the afternoon, into the evening, and then go out for dinner, go back to bed. And uh, I mean, that's quite an extreme example of when you know it's really that tough is that you just don't ask any more of your body than what, what it needs to do for sailing. Um, although we did actually, Sam and I did, we went kite surfing. I even had to go winging, uh, which went dreadfully because I can't do it and I haven't no balance skills whatsoever that was one evening's entertainment but generally speaking just eating enough you can't you can eat too much of the wrong things but you can't eat too much in general you know your body's burning an awful lot on long days like that just eat enough drink enough don't do anything you know don't do anything you wouldn't normally do um which is why i declined your invite for a football game on (laughs) whatever it was tuesday morning (laughs) yeah initially we were sort of looking at the forecast and it looked like tuesday with a afternoon start and it looked like Tuesday and Wednesday might be lighter days but they then turn into windy days and that football match was off Sam how how was it sorry Mickey did your football match even happen did you get any takers no (laughs) everyone bailed in the end I think for good reason I woke up on that Tuesday morning as well and I was I was tired Sam in terms of your recovery what by the end of the week were you feeling the effects uh, well, with the world listening, I should probably say no and that I'm incredibly fit. But, I, you know, I, I definitely sort of felt like I'd been through a um, washing machine or something um, and a little bit beaten up. Um, but I, I think, you know, because I don't sort of spend my life hiking, as, as you say, it was, you know, quite a breezy event. Um, thinking, uh, thinking that I had some level of fitness, uh, the event told me that I probably didn't. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things that has motivated me now going forwards. You know, I'm, obviously I need to be a bit fitter and I, there are lots of things that I've learned that I need to um, be better at. So you say you're motivated to sort of get fitter and, you know, laser fitness is totally different to any sort of other type of fitness. It's even different. The hiking you do in a laser is different to other boats. So like a solo or aero or whatever boat there is. Are you sort of now looking at the next year's nationals to come in up to Abersock and come up there? Yeah, I am definitely. Um, I, you know, really, as I as I say sort of jokingly, but you know, from this nationals, my uh, campaign has now begin begun. So, uh, you know, I, I'd really like to sort of just really do as much as I can, and uh, you know, in regards to getting fitter, I, for me, I think I'm trying to do that just by more time in the laser. Um, and you know, motivated from the nationals, um, I well, and after speaking to Guy, you know, we're we're now sailing at Pool Week, where there's a, a good laser fleet, um, and 
and I'm just sort of keen to do more, including the nationals and, and any sort of open or, or Grand Prix events I can get myself to, basically. So from my point of view, the only way is up. So, uh, so hopefully I'll sort of, through experience, try and work my way up a little bit. No, that's, that's fantastic news that you're going to come and do more events. And moving back to the Ilka Nationals, one of the nights was the sports night and it was sort of throwback to the olden times. Now, Guy, you were, you sail with a lot of the the older sailors, the master sailors that grew up when there was only a you know, an old kicker on the boat where you had about a three to one purchase system. Now now in the end the this old red laser which was used for the parade, which I said actually we'll get back to but forgot about. Um the boom and get, get broken by Nick Harrison. Do you want to describe how that happened? Oh, what, what, a, what a classic moment. Well, it starts off with Tony calling it the old grey kicker test. Now, you've got to be of a certain age to know about the old grey whistle test, which is a 1970s uh, kind of pop, not really pop music, but, you know, yeah, rock music uh, programme on TV. Um, you know, and uh, it was just kind of a pun on that, that name. And the idea really was that we were going to, uh, test people's ability to put the kicker on. Now, in the old days, what you used to do, you get down to the jibe mark and you just basically sit on the boom and pull the kicker in like that because the purchase was so appallingly that you, know, you couldn't do it manually. You had to actually put your weight on it. And um, now, although I didn't, you know, when I, when I was 16, 17, I had my first laser, um, I, I didn't realise these, you know, how, how kind of advanced these techniques were, but basically it did just involve, you know, putting your bum on the boom and pulling it down. And of course, what happened was that uh, Mark Little and Nick Harrison uh, watched all these young people, you know, trying to do it with their brute strength, not doing very much. And of course, they come along and have a go and Mark starts doing it first um, and kind of bends the boom slightly. And then Nick does it next and just snaps the boom. <laughs> Cleaning too, which shows that you know even 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 being master sailors, they've still got that competitive edge and definitely to beat the youngsters. Well, yeah, but not. I mean, not just that they're bloody hooligans, aren't they? Really? <laughs> <laughs> You've got to watch them. You know, when you get to the top mark, because if they're coming in on port, they just go. They're going to you know take a blow and whack in there, whatever the odds are of getting through. But um, it was very very funny and. Um, you know, they, they thought it was hilarious. But they, that, just going back to that boat, um, we had the original sail. And, um, uh, you know, so things were starting to, how should I say, kind of wear out a bit. And on the sail out of this parade, which I'm sure you want to talk to a bit, talk about a little bit uh, more. But, um, you know, Tim Hulse, who was sailing the boat, was sailing up and down in the harbour, you know, reaching up and down, waiting for the fleet to assemble. And um, just as I was going past Tim, Tim kind of, he's 90, was it 90, 98 kilograms? No, 92 <laughs> kilograms, whatever he is now. He decides to give it a little bit of a jump on the, on the deck to give it a bit of, try to get it planing. And the, the sail, basically the uh, clue of the sail, just parts. You know, the sail was, as I say, so flimsy and old that it just, you know, just literally gave, gave way. So we had to do a bit of running repairs to get the sail in. And, it, and it's such a sad picture in the end because we've got a lovely photograph that you see on Facebook of Tim sailing the boat down with what looks like a Robinson Crusoe kind of raft. 
with this old sail which is tied at the clue and you go, it's a real mess. It's a bit of a sad, sad end to that. But actually, it kind of epitomizes the ethos of, you know, we, we will get going, we will make the boat go, whatever. So I quite like that. But the boat was, you know, it's right on its last legs, I think, you know. So we, we certainly did stress test it. No, we certainly did. And like you said, the boom and the sale went. How did that whole parade come about? Well, it, it started off really um, with, again, Tony Woods had the idea that uh, a, a parade out to celebrate the 50 years of the, la- at the laser, uh, now Ilka, um, will be a great idea. To, and because we've got, we had such a huge fleet, you know, 271 entries. Uh, we had such a big fleet that it, to mark that 50th anniversary would be uh, would be really good uh, in some kind of special way, something that we've never done before. And, to f- and we filmed it uh, with a drone, and we took lots of photographs, so we got it uh, captured for for you know forever. Um, it was it went. I think it did go out on South Southern BBC Southern TV, um, and then certainly Rob Cage did an interview with Radio Solar as well about it. So it was kind of quite nicely marked. And um, uh, as I say, we, you know, we've got I've got the huge amount of about a terabyte of you know drone for high resolution drone footage, which we'll make into a, a video, a commemorative video. Um, and then um, kind of interesting you give that to the whole fleet post that up on you know, social media you know you know maybe about a month's time when, when I've had a chance to edit it but that that was really the idea it was to commemorate you know the, this great little boat you know I, I reckon that probably over a million people have sailed the laser um, in the course of its uh, history which probably. is vast amount of people now moving on from that day and then moving on to the um the day after the AGM so we had the AGM and then we had the gala dinner on the sort of final night during the week now Sam were you at the gala dinner I know Guy and Mickey were I'm afraid I wasn't no you weren't at it okay well so I know Guy and Mickey were at it now Guy there were some lovely prizes up for up for grabs that were part of the auction for the Andrew Simpson Foundation and you walked away with a lovely prize <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know whether I want to make this too public. Certain, <laughs> my wife still doesn't know that I actually <laughs> bought this bottle. I yeah, I bought a Jeroboam of um, of champagne. Which I think is eight bottles of champagne in one bottle um, for quite a huge amount of money. Um, but it's a great cause, and I, you know, you know when you've done something a bit a bit daft. When the next morning you wake up, or I woke up thinking, well, it was for charity. It was for charity. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's a great charity to support, and UKLA have adopted it as their, uh, you know, as our official charity. And I think um, you know, Mickey and uh, um, Elliot and Sam Whaley and all you lot were there as well. And so we had the new generation, and and you know, the younger ones as well, the guys that are in the fours. So we had a contingent of very young, contingent of very professional, contingent of very old. Um, you know, all celebrating, um, you know, the, 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 the Ilka, the, the laser, but also, you know, being very aware that we've got to broaden the sports appeal. And the Andrew Simpson um, uh, participation, not appeal, but participation, the Andrew Simpson Same Foundation does exactly that. So it's a perfect fit. And we're very, very aware that, you know, broadening that appeal, trying to get out to the kids, 
you know, that uh, you know wouldn't get the opportunity to sail otherwise it is a really great idea. So, yeah, so backing that charity. And I think uh, in the end, we raised about just over £10,000 that evening, just that evening. No, which is great. And if you want to hear more about the charity, I did do an Andrew Simpson podcast special with a few people close with it. And one of the people who uh, was very close was Ian Percy to Andrew Simpson. And Mickey, did you, growing up, sort of idolise Ian or sort of look up to him? Uh, yeah, I did. did. Yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought he was quite an interesting guy. Um, one of my, uh, I think one of my favourite stories about him actually was after the, the 1996 Olympic trials. So obviously this is a second-hand story because I was born in 1995. But he, you know, it's quite a infamous trials. I think Ben wrote about it, Ben Ainsley wrote about it in his book because he had a, a huge number of people who I all know now as in the majority, incredible coaches like Mark Littlejohn, my coach, Chris Gowers, radio coach, Hugh Styles, um, and Ian as well. And they all got taken out basically by this teenager, Ben. And it was out in Weymouth Bay. This, so the Olympic trials now are uh, designated international events abroad, whereas they used to run like a bespoke um, uh, like Olympic trial event, kind of like the Nationals, basically, and just anyone could rock up, and if you won the event, you got to go to the Olympics, which was more or less how it worked. And they all, and it was held in Weymouth, and uh, it came down to, I think, a match race between Hugh Styles and Ben Ainsley, which Ben just about managed to win, and they all sailed in, in the dark. Um, and it was just generally quite an infamous event, but I think, I can't remember where I heard it from, but basically Ian, after losing those trials, was so hacked off, he was driving home from Weymouth, and by the time he got to pool, about half an hour later, he made the decision, you know, the absolute decision that he was going to win a gold medal at the next Olympics in Sydney. And I just love the fact that, you know, when he says he made a decision, it wasn't kind of, oh, I'll put the kettle on in a bit and then maybe you forget. Like, this was a decision that he followed through with kind of four years of complete and utter commitment, um, which I absolutely, I, I love that. I just think it's incredible that in the space of half an hour, he was so annoyed about what just happened that he made a decision to do something, you know, one of the hardest things that it's possible to do, which is win an Olympic gold medal. And then he went and did that in, in the Finn in Sydney. Um, Joe thinks it's a remarkable story, really. Hmm. Yeah, it shows that incredible resolve, doesn't it? You know, you, you, you make a kind of declaration to yourself like that and to follow it through, you know, because he was obviously completely aware of the consequences of making that decision, you know, what that would mean. How, how that would impact his life. Yeah, it, it shows, you know, I think, I, I agree with you, Mickey. I think that, you know, this, this guy obviously made a huge impression on a lot of people. And the story that Ian Percy told uh, of uh, Bart, you know, kind of making making people very welcome, you know, into the fleet and giving them advice. And it, apparently he was on the, on the phone to somebody when he was in Switzerland, Garda. Uh, and... Um, uh, you know, Ian said, you know, who are you talking to? And uh, Bart said, oh, just, just one of the guys that I met at the last event, you know, just giving him a bit of advice. You know, the fact that he would take time out and um, help people, I, I just thought was, yeah, again, it, it encapsulates that spirit. And this guy was obviously very special. You only got to talk to somebody like Nick Harrison, kind of gets incredibly uh, overwhelmed, you know, emotionally with this, the impact of this, this chap on all of them. And I think that, that really is why, you know, the name lives on and the, you know, and the spirit of him lives on in the Andrew Simpson 
Foundation. Fantastic. Absolutely amazing. I know as a person, it's the first time I met Ian, but I, I did, and hearing stuff about Andrew Simpson, but like you said, hearing that, you know, Andrew would take time out to, you know, talk to younger sailors, and even after the event when he didn't have to, I think that just shows the whole sailing spirit in a way. Now, looking ahead of for next year at Abasok, it's Mickey's home country waters as such in in. I was going to say sunny Wales, but whenever I've been there, it's been raining Wales. Sam, for people that might be in a similar position to you this year, why should they attend next year? Well, I, I think the, the Nationals is a sort of incredibly inclusive event, whether you know, you're know you somebody that's used to being at the front or you're, you're somebody like me that's uh, getting back into it or new to it. Um, you know, everyone is everyone's so friendly um, and you get amazing racing alongside that. So um, if you have any sort of a thoughts of going, you, you have to give it a go and, uh, and see how you do. No, that's, that's fantastic. And it does epitomise the Ilka fleet at the moment. Like you said, yourself, not at the pinnacle of the sport like Mickey, but at the same time, you know, inclusivity right across the fleet. And thanks to yourself and Mickey and Guy for giving up their time and all your busy schedules and you're attending pool week as Guy is too. And best of luck to both of you and um, see you all soon.